Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja, and a lot of readings to catch up to uh, in both Strengthening My Recovery and Melody's Beatty's The Language of Letting Go. First reading, first of three, sponsorship. Sponsorship is the vehicle by which we take the road less traveled to a true connection with others and a God of our understanding. Wow, a true connection of others and a God of our understanding. This is why I do a podcast. Um, you know, the trauma and just kind of, you know, being an ACA for lack of a better word really prevents that connection with other people and a God of our understanding. And, you know, as I work through the steps, I realize that that's just a freedom that's given in the 12 steps program. And it's also important to have one and to know that you can take a higher power, a God of our understanding everywhere you go. Back to the passage. Coming from a family of dysfunction, we developed a fear of authority. We learned early that our opinions, feelings, and attitudes were insignificant. The power belonged to the raging alcoholic, the enabling spouse, and any older children in the family who were given authority over us because they had been put in charge of most of her care. In alcoholic homes, the parents were too involved in fighting or manipulating each other over alcoholic rages and abusive behavior to care for us. When we escaped, we vowed never to let another person control us. Yet we found ourselves either being the abuser or the dependent one in most relationships we developed, including working relationships, religious relationships, and friendships. Wow. And I think this is why that line in the 12 and 12 about being a worker among workers uh, was really powerful for me and why I really believe that like I'm in a class for life. You know, this is where I'm learning the life skills of and 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 also the life skills for the important things, you know, how important relationships are with your fellow human being, your man and, uh, you know, in family and and it's not about one person dominating or one person. Uh, it reminds me of the Scott Peck quote or something about like a, a healthy relationship is when two individuals um, are you know healthy on their own and they choose to have a greater partnership. Back to the passage. When we finally found ACA, for some of us, choosing a sponsor to help us work the steps often led to the same type of relationship we were familiar with. Then we discovered the fellow traveler model of sponsorship. We found this peer-to-peer -peer concept helped keep us out of our people-pleasing or running someone else's life behaviors. It put us on equal footing and allowed us to travel the road to recovery together. On this day, I will walk hand in hand with my fellow traveler so we can help each other recover on the less traveled road. The next passage is overly responsible. Before finding recovery, we suppressed our feelings and were overly responsible. We tried to anticipate the needs of others and meet those needs so we would not be abandoned. And, you know, Big Red Book, page 94. And I will add to that, it would that type of logic oftentimes created the exact abandonment that we, or in my case, I am seeking to uh, avoid, you know, to try to guess. And, you know, one way intense of anticipating the needs is try to be clear with people. And 
a lot of times the vagueness comes from emotionally unavailable people who are, are not even in tune with their emotions. And I'm finding more and more in life that those people, those types of people are not good or bad. They're just emotionally unavailable. And the ones to communicate and to learn communication skills for are emotionally available people who, you know, which was kind of an odd uh, thing. You know, a lot of these, um, you know, these 12 steps of really addressing my magical thinking patterns. And, uh, you know, they're, they're starting to come down, those statues. Uh, many of us have focused all our efforts on spouses, significant others, or children trying to do everything possible to make them comfortable and happy. We may spend so much time on our children and their friends that we were uncomfortably intrusive. Because we feared abandonment, we may have sacrificed ourselves in an attempt to keep our spouses from becoming bored with us. These actions kept us from admitting, I'm tired, I'm not interested, I don't have time. Wow, I'm tired, I'm not interested, I don't have time. Talk about an assertive way, you know, someone asks you to do something and you say, oh, sure, 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 versus, you know what, I'm tired, I'm not interested. I don't have time. I mean, that seems to be the way assertive people talk. Eventually, we began to resent them. We deserved to do things we wanted to do, and our family members needed space to breathe, to make their own decisions, to make mistakes, and learn from them. With ACA recovery, we finally get the message that it's okay to let loved ones do their th own thing. It's okay to let them find happiness through their own actions. Not being constantly involved in their lives does not mean they will abandon us. In fact, it can strengthen our relationships when we all feel the relief of being responsible for ourselves. On this day, I will remember that I do not need to micromanage the lives of those close to me. They will not abandon me simply because I let them live their lives, their own lives. In fact, I will doubt they might like me from a non-codependent spot. The next reading is buried feelings. We learned to keep our feelings down as children and kept them buried as adults. How can we honor our feelings when many of us were brought up by parents who implied or directly told us that we shouldn't talk about, think about, or even have our feelings? They told us we were imagining things or said, stop making a big deal out of nothing. Ooh, that sounds like my grandmother. <laughs> you know, some, some people would say it out of uh, shame, but wow, does that sound like my, you know, yikes. <laughs> that resentment is going to take some time to lose. Um, you know, I'm repeating, how can we honor feelings when many of us were, you know, that get over it? They said showing feelings and emotions would turn us into weaklings. Now, I don't know if I was explicitly told that, but that was a message that I got. And it wasn't just out of the family and stuff like that. You know, I work with an inner child lady that I interviewed on my podcast. She says, men don't cry enough and women don't get angry. And those gender stereotypes seem to be responsible for a lot of repression of emotions. Back to the reading. They said showing feelings and emotion would turn us into weaklings. It was more important to look good and not be concerned with feelings, especially those related to fear, anger, and sadness. How would we be able to stand our, on our own two feet if we were shadow boxing with unnecessary emotions? We got the message loud and clear and kept our feelings buried for decades. But how long can we go on stuffing things before it affects us emotionally, mentally, and physically, before people shun us, because they denied, these denied feelings started manifesting themselves as inappropriate 
behavior. In ACA, we begin to recognize and honor our feelings in real time. I think that's the big thing in real time. It's a lot of the work that is done is trying to figure out what was I feeling like then? And when I have feelings now that remind me of childhood, you know, how old did I feel? And it really doesn't have anything to do with the person who's making me feel those types of feelings now. Everything seems to go back to childhood. Anyways, back to the reading. In ACA, we begin to recognize and honor our feelings in real time. When fear, anger, envy, greed, and jealousy appear, we identify and filter them as honestly as possible. Sometimes simple acknowledgement and perspective gathering is enough. But we also should be prepared to talk about our feelings for the purpose of gaining true understanding and acceptance. As we do so, resilience and serenity begin to permeate our minds and our souls. On this day, I will honor my feelings by unlocking them and accepting them as an essential part of my whole being that deserves love and respect. And a fourth reading, four out of seven, so almost halfway through, lots of readings to catch up to. Blame. We cannot reach the level of spiritual growth that we're seeking by blaming sick people. Wow, this is very true. I'm realizing now more and more, yes, I can understand that I'm powerless over a dysfunctional household, but I can't blame anyone. I have to take responsibility. And while stuff was done to me, I did stuff to people. And I need to take full responsibility for that as an adult. The hard truth about alcoholism and family dysfunction and that is that there is no one to blame. It may feel as if our parents caused their suffering, but we forget that dysfunction is inherited. They were simply working with what they were given. They may not have willingly set out to harm us. In fact, I know they aren't great people. They will, were reacting to their own sickness and in turn passed down the disease of dysfunction. As children, we experienced unfair treatment and wish our parents would get help. However, we had no control over their actions. And I would add, I don't have control over their actions now or anybody really, except for myself. But today we have control over whether we hang on to blaming people who could not help themselves at the time. When we let go of accusing sick people, we can focus on ourselves and what can be done in the here and now to help ourselves heal. We loosen the ties that keep us bound to circumstances that couldn't have turned out differently, thereby creating the possibility of limitless growth within us. On this day, I will do all that I am capable of to help stop the generational dysfunction in my family. In doing so, I will let go of any blame that is keeping me from experiencing greater levels of recovery. Now we'll go to Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, Clearing the Slate. One of the greatest gifts we can give is an open, loving heart. And holding on to negative feelings from past relationships is our greatest barrier to that gift. That's why I've realized that, you know, there's work, there's work in, in 12 Steps and Brian Katie and just a, a number of places. You know, most spiritual things will, will say that, you know, you need to somehow forgive to move on. I mean, uh, I've had David Hanscom on, who's not affiliated with any of those groups. And, you know, he recommends the book Forgive for Good by uh, Fred, Fred Luskin. Anyways, back to the reading. Most of us had relationships that have ended. When we examine these relationships, we need to clear the emotional state. Are we holding on to anger or resentments? Are we still feeling victimized? Are we living with the self-defeating beliefs that may be attached to these relationships? Women can't be trusted. Bosses use people. There's no such thing as a good relationship. Talk about overly dramatic. Let go of all that may be blocking our relationships today. You know, I think that's just realizing that everybody is 
different and embracing that difference, but we're also a team of human beings. With great certainty, we can know that old feelings and self-defeating beliefs will block us today from giving and getting the love we desire. We can clear the slate of the past. It begins with awareness, honesty, and openness. The process is complete when we reach a state of acceptance and peace toward all from our past. Today, I will begin the process of letting go of all self-defeating feelings and beliefs connected to past relationships. I will clear my slate so I'm free to be loved. I will clear my slate so I'm free to love and be loved. Next reading, step one. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become an, an unmanageable. Step one of Al-Anon. There are many different versions of the first step for recovering codependence. Some of us admit powerlessness over alcohol or another's alcoholism. Some of us admit powerlessness over people, some over the impact of growing up in an alcoholic family. One of the most significant words in the first step is the word we. And I have to pause here. The people that I have met have been incredible. And even if they weren't, it is a vital part. I can't do this alone, you know, but we can move mountains. Um, one of my favorite things that my mom says is one plus one equals 11. And there are a lot of great ones, um, you know, that I've met in the last couple of years. One of the most significant words in the first step is the word we. We come together because of a common problem, and in the coming together, we find a common solution. Through the fellowship of 12-step programs, many of us discovered that although we may have felt alone in our pain, others have experienced a similar suffering, and now many are joining hands in a similar recovery. We, a significant part of recovery, a shared experience, a shared strength, stronger for the sharing, a shared hope for better lives and relationships. Today, I will be grateful for the many people across the world who call themselves recovering codependents. Help me know that each time one of us takes a step forward, we will pull the entire group forward. And finally, the last reading, off the hook. We can learn not to get hooked into unhealthy, self-defeating behaviors and relationships. Behaviors such as caretaking, you know, I'm not responsible for someone else's happiness, except for mine and my inner child and my higher powers will. Con controlling, discounting ourselves and believing lies. I think that discounting ourselves and believing lies is, is such a lie. We can learn to watch for and identify hooks and choose not to allow ourselves to be hooked. Often people do things consciously or without thinking that pulls us into a series of our self-defeating behaviors we call codependency. More often than not, these hooks can, also, can be almost deliberate and the results predictable. Someone may stand before us and hint or sigh about a problem, knowing or hoping that hint or sigh will hook us into taking care of him or her. That is manipulation. When people stand around and hint and sigh about something, then coyly say, oh, never mind, that's not for you to worry about. That's a game. We need to recognize that. We're about to get sucked in if we allow that to happen. We can learn to insist that people ask us directly for what they want and need. I'm going to read that two more times for my own benefit. We can learn to insist that people ask us directly for what they want and need. We can learn to insist that people ask us directly for what they want and need. And it applies both ways. I mean, that's something that I have to do. 
What are the words, the signs, the looks, the hints, and the cues that hook us into predictable and often self-defeating behavior? What makes you feel sympathy, guilt, responsible for another? Our strong point is that we care so much. Our weak point is that we often underestimate the people with whom we're dealing. They know what they're doing. It's time to give up our naive assumption that people don't follow agendas of their own and their best interest, and not necessarily in ours. Woo! Continuing, we also want to check ourselves out. Do we give out hooks, looks, hints, hoping to hook another? I want to repeat this because I think this is more important. We also want to check ourselves out. Do we give out hooks, looks, hints, hoping to hook another? You know, when am I acting like a victim? When am I acting like I want people to read my mind? You know, when am I willing to not risk being vulnerable um, so I don't do this type of behavior? Back to the reading. We need to insist that we behave in a direct and honest manner with others instead of expecting them to rescue us. If someone wants something from us, insist that person asks directly for it. Require the same from us. If someone baits the hook, we don't have to bite it. Today, I will be aware of the hooks that snag me into the caretaking acts that leave me feeling victimized. I will ignore the hints, looks, and words that hook me and wait for the directness and honesty others and I deserve. And that concludes all the readings. Um, thank you so much. Until next time, this is Kowant Saluja reminding myself to pause many times a day because that is where God is. To feel my feelings many times of the day because that is healthy. And to love myself many times in the day because this is an inside job. Until next time.